0: We got a special Locked On Crossover Edition getting you ready for Oklahoma versus TCU at TCU. The Sooners heading to Fort Worth. We got Stephen Simcox of Locked On Horn Frogs. I'm John Williams of Locked On Sooners to get you ready for Saturday's game. Stephen, the big question right now, both teams have brand new coaches heading into this matchup for the first time. What have things been like for Sonny Dykes and the Horn Frogs this season?
1: Well, I mean, so far, so good. They're 3-0. and um, Now, obviously, it's all games that, I guess, going into the season, you feel like they should have won. I do think beating SMU in Dallas with some emotion behind that, Sunny Ducks going back to his old school, was significant. Um, you know, they took care of business in the non-conference schedule. It, it's interesting. I feel like both schools have kind of done a 180, From the previous regime, as far as like what the team's identities are, kind of the personality of the coaches. Sonny Dykes is very laid back. I mean, he's really good and open with the media so far. Um, That wasn't Gary Patterson's calling card. And he's also an offensive minded head coach. And we've seen this offense um, take some strides. It hasn't always been super consistent, but they've scored, you know, over 30 points in their first three games. There's been a lot of explosiveness. Um, even with with Max Duggan playing quarterback, which wasn't planned going into the season. So, um, you know, now you're going to hit the teeth of the schedule. And this is sort of where um, you see how how much improvement this team's actually made. But I I think overall, you couldn't really ask for for a smoother start to the season. And, you know, transitioning to you, obviously going to a, a defensive mind like Brett Venables, really intense guy. Uh, how has that been so far for, for Sooners fans and, and for the players adjusting to uh, to a new head coach? Yeah, it's
0: been really interesting. You know, he's actually been a little bit of the opposite of Lincoln Riley, too, where he seems to be more kind of free and open with the media. He's more willing to talk about, you know, the nitty-gritty, get down into the details of the brass tacks, and at times can be a little bit long-winded in, in some of his replies, but I don't think anybody in the media is complaining about that. But, mm-hmm. yeah, going to the defensive side of, or a defense – focused head coach, it kind of changed the, changes the expectations a little bit. Even though we knew that there was going to be some amount of rebuild that was going to happen on the defensive side of the football because they lost five starters to the NFL, another starter transferred to Stanford as a grad transfer. I think people still expected it to be much better than what it was against Kansas State. And up until that point, it had been. They, they played really, really well against UTEP. I mean, there was a bit of a second quarter lull that happened there got off to a really good start defensively against Kent State, uh, even though the offense kind of struggled out of the gate. And then against Nebraska, I mean, aside from that opening drive, they absolutely dominated the Cornhuskers in Lincoln. And so the early returns were really, really positive. And then Adrian Martinez just kind of blew the doors off of all that and kind of shredded uh, a lot of the optimism and the goodwill that Brent Venables had built up through the first few weeks of the season. I think people are still very optimistic about what the future holds. I think people are, and myself included, we're kind of resetting expectations a little bit for how good this defense could be in year one of Brent Venables, because we're still working on establishing their identity, their culture, getting the right personnel in place to be able to play his defense. A lot of the things that happened on Saturday against Kansas State were not necessarily things that we'd seen, and Brent Venables mentioned that in his game that they made a lot of mistakes that they hadn't seen up until that point. And so Mm. that was a a bit of a surprise for them. You spoke about Max Duggan earlier. And to me, that's a huge storyline for this team. You you said they weren't planning on starting him this season, but he's been really good. You know, Brent Venables mentioned he's got one of the highest passing efficiencies in the country right now. He's completing 70-something percent of his passes. I think it was 77 when I last looked and his adjusted completion percentage is 87.9, so he's off to a really good start. What's been the difference for Max Duggan?
1: Well, I, I think, honestly, they've made things easier for him. You know, those numbers, he has been really efficient, and they focused on a lot of high-percentage throws. The first few seasons when he was a starter, um, a lot of the throws they were asking him to make, you know, fades down the sideline, um, a lot of deep shots, really trying to establish the run and then using that to uh, – have play action behind it and the short and intermediate passing game was really non-existent so they've they've kind of gotten back to that a little bit um, they're spreading the ball around a lot and I think the fascinating thing is I'm curious to see how it plays out this week because you mentioned Adrian Martinez and he did so much damage on the ground and that's really been like when I think of Max Duggan's best games in his career um, at least his first couple years it was doing a lot of damage with his legs but he hasn't done that so far now you know they've been playing tarleton and smu so it's not really something you you mm-hmm. want to use if you don't have to um i'm curious to see if that is uh brought out more against oklahoma that quarterback run game whether that's you know scrambling or some design plays um but yeah he's been fantastic and uh on tuesday sunday night, said that chandler morris was cleared to play like he's available but they're going to start Max Duggan and kind of let him ride off this hot hand and see how it goes. Um, I think the team has kind of really rallied around him since he handled the quarterback battle. So well in the off season and when he did lose his job, you know, he stayed the course, even though he didn't have to wait that long. I mean, the second half of the first game, he was back out there, Um, but he didn't pout. He didn't, you know, um, have a, a bad moment, really. He just kind of went back to work and, and stayed with it. So, yeah, I feel like it's just a coaching staff that kind of understands his strengths and weaknesses and have, have made, you know, a, a priority of trying to have him get the ball out quickly and and spread it around to a lot of different guys with some high-percentage throws. Um, Go back to that loss for a second. What do you think the mentality of this team is now? Because I was joking around with one of my friends today, and I said, you know, it almost I really feel better about pulling off an upset if OU had, like, dominated K-State and they're kind of flying high coming into this game with Red River coming up. Um, But I imagine this sort of refocuses this team. So do you think this could end up being, you know, maybe a good thing for coach Venables and his staff as as the season progresses from a long-term standpoint? I always have a hard time counting a loss as a good thing. Yeah, Yeah.
0: At the same time, I will say the way that they lost, might be something that does help refocus them because it was a lot of just details, you know, small things that, that they didn't play well. in. And they just a lot of mental miscues, you know, the defense coordinator, Ted roof, just talked about just simple alignment stuff and, and gap filling uh, not playing the scheme the way it was designed to be played, which led to a lot of that. Some of it was tackling issues and, and some of it was Adrian Martinez. I mean, the dude just had a superhuman game against the Oklahoma Sooners. Now it is, we talked about it on our show, but it's one of those situations where, you play bad defensively and the quarterback plays really, really well. And it just kind of makes for a really bad night all the way around. Uh, They had a hard time tackling him, you know, and the thing that I kind of hold on to heading into TCU is that while Max Duggan is a really good runner, he's not necessarily the same physical player. Like he's not going to blow through tackles in the same way. I mean, he's an athletic guy that can hurt you with his legs, but I don't think Oklahoma is going to be missing a bunch of tackles or having a bunch of you know tackles broken by Max Duggan. Um, I think this is going to help get them back to focusing on the fine tuned things, not trying to overplay certain situations, not trying to be too perfect or make, you know, make every play, but playing the scheme the way that that it was meant to be played. And I mean, I I think they're going to have to, because you talked about the short area passing game. If that's something that TCU rolls out against Oklahoma, I mean, that is going to be something that I think can give them trouble. Because if you get the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly and you're not allowing the pass rush to get to you, that can spell trouble for Oklahoma because so much of their defense is predicated on getting pressure on the quarterback and creating sacks. And the way it sounds like and what we've seen from from Sonny Dykes early in this season is that he was going to get the the ball out of Max's hands quick and not allow him to throw it down the field where he hasn't been as accurate.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, it is going to be uh, a, an interesting chess match for both these first-year head coaches on Saturday. We're going to talk matchups in a minute. Um, now, one website that has all the matchups that you can bet on is one of our great friends and great sponsors, Online. Um, the line for this game, this TCU-Oklahoma game, if you're interested in placing some money on that, Sooners six-and-a-half-point favorites going into Saturday. So if that piques your interest, jump on that. Whether you think TCU can cover or you feel like Oklahoma bounces back, and covers that spread in fort worth Uh, but you're going to veg out and and watch a lot of college football saturday you're probably going to watch a lot of nfl football on sunday so why not try to make some money you know like if if your spouse is mad at you because you're watching so much tv say hey listen i'm trying to provide for our family i've gone to bet online i've placed some wagers down i know what i'm doing Um, if you're into combat sports, you can do it there bet online is also just a good source. For your general sports news, injury updates, all those things. Bet online, one-stop shop. You use the promo code Locked On again. That's Bet Online, one of our fantastic sponsors. All right, this is our Locked On crossover. I'm Steven Simcox from Locked On Horned Frogs. Alongside me is John Williams from Locked On Sooners, and we are discussing this TCU Oklahoma game coming up this weekend. And John, you touched on some of those matchups um, in, in our last segment, but if you could narrow it down to one or two, whether it's individual or kind of position group battles that you're looking at that will tell the story of this game, what are your thoughts uh, when you break down these rosters?
0: I mean, Firstly, it's Quentin Johnston. I mean, th- this is a guy that went off against the Oklahoma Sooners last year. He was like eight catches for 170 plus and three touchdowns, just had an absolutely monster game. And we haven't really seen Oklahoma's secondary tested in a, in a big way. I mean, we've had, you know, teams that have been able to complete some long passes, but it's usually to guys that you wouldn't think, you know, just the the random tight end, uh, you know, UTEP has a decent wide receiver core, Kent State as well, but nobody to the same skill level as Quentin Johnson, somebody who was an all big 12 preseason selection and can really make you pay if you line them up in one-on-one coverage. So that's the first place that I look to that, that can really cause Oklahoma trouble if they're not careful. The second one is Kendra Miller, Uh, you know, out of the shadow of Zach Evans, it looks like he's putting together a really nice season to start. And if he, I wouldn't say he's a Deuce Vaughn kind of player, but he's got the same like breakaway ability. And if you're not careful again, in those situations that he could really hurt you as a runner back. So the linebackers really need a bounce back game because they got abused by Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn last week. And the mesh point is going to be so huge for how Oklahoma plays defensively. If they're not able to corral Max Duggan and Kendre Miller and play sound defensively in the read option game, then that can be, that can spell trouble for their defense.
1: Yeah, that would be that would be a welcome sight for TCU fans. Quentin Johnson get get going this week. He hasn't really been used a whole lot through the first couple games of the season, but I think that will change as they get into Big Twelve play. They haven't needed him, right? Like, yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I
0: that's what I look at. It's like nine catches, seventy seven yards. Like you just haven't needed to throw to him.
1: Yeah, I mean, he didn't play a ton of snaps in that Tarleton game, Um, and then SMU they sort of got him involved later, but. Um, We'll see how that changes. I I do feel like there'll be some more single coverage opportunities as they, as they play better, better competition and maybe some teams have a little more confidence in their corners moving forward. You know, I'm going to stick with, with uh, defense as well. And John, uh, this is killing me last season before the 2021 season. I was really, you know, banging the drum saying, hey, this TCU cornerback room, you got a lot of vets there in the secondary. I think they're going to be really good. That didn't particularly pan out. Uh, Pretty much all those guys came back. And so this offseason, again, I was saying, hey, the secondary, you know, they're going to be really good. And, well, so far early in the season, that hasn't been the case. Uh, Travius Hodges-Tomlinson had some trouble with Rasheed Rice, who, in fairness, is a really good wide receiver for SMU. I think he'll be an NFL player. Um, and then Jake Bailey for SMU had over 130 yards and a couple in the touchdown in this matchup last week. So the passing game hurt them in really their first true test. Now you face Dylan Gabriel, Marvin Mims, Theo Weiss. You know, can these uh, TCU corners be competitive? Uh, can Kean Stewart and um, Josh Newton and Travis Hodges Tomlinson sort of match up one on one? And then it, it's kind of twofold because They've transitioned now. Joe Gillespie, for Schooner fans that don't know, he was at Tulsa um, the last few seasons. He's now the TCU defense coordinator, and he runs a 3-3-5, which is different than the 4-2-5 scheme that Gary Patterson used to run, um, and he doesn't bring a lot of blitzes, or he hasn't shown that yet. You know, he's really relied on this defensive front to get pressure with the three guys they have. Um, And it hasn't, hasn't been super successful yet. So one, I'm just curious to see if, if we see some more twists and stunts and different looks um, in this game, but also, you know, can those three defensive linemen find a way to uh, wreak some havoc against this OUO line and, and cause some pressure to make things more difficult for Dylan Gabriel. Um, That'll be really, you know, one of the true tests of the game and in my mind and, and John, before we kind of move on to our, to our predictions, does this feel like a shootout to you? I mean, that, that seemed like both these teams, the offenses are kind of clicking, the defenses are sort of far behind. Um, I know when we say that, usually it ends up being like 17 to 14, but the the pace of this game feels like it's going to be pretty fast. Uh, At least that's what both teams, uh, I think, want to do on paper. Yeah,
0: I feel really good about Oklahoma being able to score some points in this game. The big question mark to me is going to be how well they can slow down TCU's offense. TCU's got playmakers, and like you mentioned, they spread the ball around, so it's not like you can focus on one particular player, even though a lot of attention is going to be given to Quentin Johnson there's other guys that can make plays on this uh, TCU offense. And so it does have the feeling of one of those games where you want to hit the over. Um, if you're looking at bet online's uh, odds over there and, and, and smash that because this is going to probably be a high scoring game. After what I saw uh, from the Oklahoma Sooners defense last week, I have a hard time, you know, projecting them to hold TCU un- under 20 in this one. And who knows where it could go from there. But yeah, you know, the, the pace that Oklahoma wants to play at lends itself to, a lot of possessions for both teams and so both teams are going to have quite a few opportunities to score a lot of points in this one
1: where does so i mean caleb williams i mean we we all know who he was highly rated guy um and you could see the talent there how does dylan gabriel kind of compare from an arm talent perspective and and just how is he a different qb and the way he sort of approaches the game i think he's probably a little bit more kind of methodical you know he's more of a
0: yeah, it's kind of a tactician a little bit. I mean, he's got the athleticism to beat you with his legs. And I think he's more accurate. But again, we saw such a short a stint of Caleb Williams that it's hard to know exactly like what his trajectory is because he looks great for USC mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, I don't think we saw necessarily the finished product with Caleb Williams last year. I think everybody kind of knows what Dylan Gabriel is at this point. I mean, he's a, a highly efficient passer. He's got an accurate deep ball, although he missed you know one last week from what I've seen just the first four games of the season is that he's got some, some really good talent. Um, He's been really good for the Oklahoma Sooners. He, I don't think he's ascended to like great yet. Um, He has some really great throws, like a couple deep balls last week, one to Marvin Mills, one to Theo East, which were on the money. And then he misses Drake Stoops wide open on a couple passes where, you know, he'd like those back. Um, I think the leadership aspect is, it seems like he's a guy that's out front and someone who is leading by example, and he's kind of putting the team first, not to say that Caleb Williams wasn't, but I think there was just a bit of a different vibe between Dylan Gabriel and then the both quarterbacks that we had last year and, and Caleb Williams and Spencer Rattler, and that he's just more, a little bit more unassuming of a guy. Um, he's got some issues with getting, you know, balls batted down at the line of scrimmage at times. Um, he's you know, definitely, you know, throw one errant on you at, from, but he hasn't had any turnover-worthy plays. Not any near, you know, interceptions. Not any near fumbles. So he's been really good at protecting the football, uh, which Spencer Rattler wasn't able to do last year. Caleb Williams is a little bit better than that. So we haven't had the maybe the the amazing kind of level of play that Caleb Williams provided. But we also didn't have like the low level of play like against Iowa State or Baylor last year that Caleb Williams also had. So, um, I'd say he's, he's been good. You know, I keep grading him at about a B or B plus in his performances, even last week, even though he missed a couple of throws, he was really good. He was what gave you a chance to to stay in that game, even though the defense, you know, really didn't hold up there into the bargain. So that's kind of where I'd put him. Um, it's hard to know where we're at still because, you know, Kansas state's defense is pretty good, but I, I felt like the offense could have been better. Um, Going into this week against TCU, I don't know if we'll still get a great litmus test for what this offense can be uh, just based on what we've seen from TCU so far this season. So that's kind of where I'd put Dylan Gabriel is I think he's good. I don't know how good he is just yet. Um, I still got some, some questions to answer on that front. Uh, but for for TCU, you know, big question mark being kind of the defense, you, know, you kind of talked about it a little bit earlier. Do you, what, do you, what are they going to have to do to kind of slow down Oklahoma's offense, do you think?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I think it really does start with limiting that passing game, but obviously Eric Gray is a great weapon as well. And they're going to try to take advantage of that. Um, you know, the linebacking play has been pretty solid for TCU. Their front seven has been, I would say, decent to good all year. There's a true freshman in the middle at nose tackle, Dominic Williams, um, who has played above his age the first couple games of the season. So can he hold his own, you know, these edge rushers, Dylan Horton, can he get to the quarterback, Um, and then Joe Gillespie's defense is, is very different. Like Gary Patterson was so aggressive. They're always trying to force negative plays, trying to force turnovers, trying to put teams behind the sticks. And this is really a defense that is more predicated on, we're going to sit back. We're going to allow teams to, you know, have some plays, have some yardage, but we, you know, we toughen up when we get near the scoring zone. Can you put together a 10 or 11 play drive? Um, but I feel like there's there's going to be some splash plays made by his defense. You know, Josh Newton had an interception last week. Um, Can somebody force a pick? Can somebody create a turnover, you know, force a fumble to give the offense more opportunities? Because while the offense has been explosive, it hasn't been super consistent. And if you have a few empty possessions against this Oklahoma team, then you can find yourself, you know, in a deficit in a hurry. So um, I think those will be – you know, the big keys, and then again on the outside trying to limit those playmakers. But um, it seems like Jeff Levy has this offense cooking early again. You know, they haven't really taken a huge step back. So I would imagine that if TCU is going to win this game, um, it's going to be because they score efficiently and then, you know, defensively maybe force a few turnovers or or get some big stops when they have to. Um, we'll, We'll take one more break here, but everybody listen to us here. Get on the Locked On Sooners YouTube page. Get on the Locked On Horn Frogs YouTube page. Put in the comments what your predictions are for Saturday, and then we'll we'll come back, and John and I will predict the game on Saturday and what we think is going to happen. This is coming up on the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, John, final segment. I'll go to you first here. Uh, you coming off a loss. K-State game at home. That didn't go great, but now refocusing. Coming into Fort Worth to take on TCU, what do you think is going to happen? Who do you think wins this this football game on Saturday? So I'm I'm
0: kind of envisioning a close game. Oklahoma struggled to get out of the gates quickly offensively. They they've had some slow starts, uh, especially last week against uh, uh, Kansas State. I'm trying to just erase that game from my <laughs> memory banks as much as possible.
1: And I so I, yeah. I
0: I do think they get off to a little bit better start this week. But I think you know TCU has enough weapons offensively to kind of hang in there uh, against Oklahoma's defense and, and put up some points. And so I, I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a high scoring game. I'm not going to be predicting something like what happened in Dallas. That was, you know, what, 42, 34 was the score last week. Yeah. I don't think we get to that point, but I do think it is going to be a high scoring game. I'm kind of looking at something like 38, 31. I think it's going to be a close kind of a one possession game at, at throughout, kind of back and forth, you know, Oklahoma might, at, get up by two scores at some point, but TCU will kind of hang in there and stay, stay the course. But uh, that's kind of where I'm landing right now, 38, 31. A lot of it to me is just going to depend on how quickly Oklahoma gets out of the gate. If they have a sluggish start to the, to this game, it could play right into TCU's hands. You talked about, you know, forcing uh, Oklahoma to go or forcing opponents to go on long drives. Well, Oklahoma hasn't consistently been able to do that this year. They've had a lot of big plays. But if the big play hasn't been there, especially last week against Kansas State, if the big play wasn't there, it was hard for them to get any momentum going. And a lot of times they killed themselves with penalties and uh, untimely sacks and, you know, misthrow here and there. And so I think to me that's, that's the big issue is if Oklahoma can get out fast, if they can avoid some of the mental miscues offensively, they're going to put up enough points to, to make this to, – to pick up the win in this one. But I do think TCU keeps it close in this game.
1: Yeah, so I said this earlier in the week. Uh, I know this kind of sounds like a defeatist attitude, but I really feel like it's interesting. OU has been the one opponent since TCU's joined the Big 12 that they just simply haven't really competed against. They're one in 10. You know, there's some close matchups early in the series, but then the last four or five years, aside from that game in Norman where they were able to turn Jalen Hurts over like four or five times, it seems like. Um, these, these spreads have been pretty big. So I think just playing competitive against OU would be a nice step forward for this team and this program. And I think they'll do that on Saturday. I feel like they're scoring enough on offense. They've made enough adjustments on defense. The team morale is pretty high. I could see them getting off to a nice start, um, just feeling good about where they are right now. I think eventually Oklahoma finds ways to put some drives together, get some big plays, and wins the football game. Um, One thing I am interested to see, you know, we talked about both teams playing fast and I I believe that's what they want to do. I do wonder if because of, you know, the explosiveness that OU has, if we see TCU kind of slow the pace down or at least try to play a little ball control, run the football. um, I think in the end, I I like your idea. I'm not sure it gets in the forties. I'll I'll say OU 31, 24 over TCU. (laughs) Maybe it doesn't always feel that close, but for the most part, it's a competitive game. And then, you know, we'll see where both teams go from here. But, uh, John, if if our TCU faithful out here, if they want to know more about the Sooners before Saturday's game, they want to check out some more content from you um, and and your co-host, where can they find uh, Lockdown Sooners?
0: Yeah, so you can find Locked On Sooners uh, anywhere you get your podcast, and on YouTube as well. Uh, you can follow my co-host, Josh Helmer, at Josh on Ref. I'm at John9Williams. Uh, and you can also read some of my work covering the Sooners over at thesoonerswire.com as well. So, um, yeah, excited excited to get on the field again, at, try to get rid of Kansas State, try to get rid of the, of the David Hicks last-minute loss uh, on the recruiting trail. Uh, it's been a bad five days for Oklahoma Faithful. Um both on and off the field. Um, although I will say like generally in the past when we mentioned off the field, it's because somebody got arrested or, you know, convicted of assault or something like that. So yeah, I'm just, I'm just glad we're just a couple more days away from game day. We can start focusing on
1: TCU. And, and from our TCU folks, John's also a really good Cowboys follow on Twitter. If you're, if you like me and like him or a frustrated Cowboys fan, then you can follow him even though, Hey, Cooper rush. Hey. What a nice surprise. 3-0 nice started QB getting it done. That
0: that game was that, that was something else, man.
1: It was CD Lamb. Look at that. OU connection had having, having a fantastic game after that drop pass early. I was uh, so mad at him after that. <laughs> <laughs> I never watched CD on on Twitter, but I was like, okay, I'm I'm football mad now. I was too. when he made it up. I didn't been on the fantasy out of my fantasy team and I oh. needed like, you know, significant points because saquon was on the other team Mm -hmm. and anyway it it all worked out in the end but i was i was not happy for for a while on that one (laughs) Uh, um you can find me at simcox steven the show is locked on horn frogs Get your podcast we're also on youtube uh and yeah and the show is at locked on tcu on twitter if you want to follow i'm not as active on the show account but if you want to follow it that'd be fantastic i'm steven simcox that's john williams sooner fans horn frog fans enjoy the game saturday Um, and thanks so much for tuning in to this Locked On crossover. We'll both be back tomorrow. It's your team every day.